Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Patty, and I am one of the pastors here at Bethany, and I am really glad that you are joining with us here this morning. So if you've been following us over the past few weeks, you know that we have been looking at what it looks like to be following Jesus every day. We have talked about actions, rhythms, and habits that move us forward in our faith, not only on Sundays, but in our everyday lives. Andrew Mills talked about what it means to create a Sabbath every week. He spoke about how the Sabbath is not just about taking a day off, it's about living differently one day a week. And Andrew Epp discussed last week generosity, and he encouraged us to look for opportunities to be generous and to help others flourish. He spoke about how money is an idol when it competes with our trust, allegiance, and worship to God. I have seen many people in our Bethany community blessed by the generosity of the giving towards our Benevolence Fund. So thank you for giving and for blessing others. Today, I want to talk to you about expectations and what that looks like in our everyday lives. I want to talk about expectations because expectations are beliefs about something that will happen in the future. And I think it's fair to say that many of us have had a year that has not met our expectations. Today, we are going to, to see how our expectations are vital to the outcomes of our lives. This year might have been a year that you were supposed to graduate from high school, from college, or from university, but that did not turn out how you expected it to. Maybe this was the year you were supposed to have your dream wedding or go on a special vacation, but it wasn't possible to do that either. Maybe this year you were diagnosed with an unexpected illness and COVID made that way more complicated than it needed to be. Honestly, I haven't handled all of this that well either. Some days I was overly emotional, I was tired, and I felt inadequate. Some days it felt incredibly hard to be brave in the unknown. And while I thought I was rational at the beginning of this, I found myself stocking up on chicken and toilet bowl cleaner. Yes, toilet bowl cleaner, which was utterly unreasonable. But at least I won't have to buy toilet bowl cleaner until at least 2021. Then other days I would settle in and I would feel really content. A part of me enjoyed smaller gatherings with friends and family because in those moments I was able to have quality time with people I love. And I didn't have to clean my house because we were outside. Things were not what I expected and I knew that I needed to change my perspective a bit to deal with what I knew was not going to be a short-term problem. So I want to talk about how, even when we can't have our expectations met, we can still meet God and that can be enough. And when things are uncertain, God is certain. Because as I mentioned before, the only thing that is certain these days is uncertainty. I believe that our expectations can never be satisfied without drawing our most profound satisfaction from Jesus. Let me say that again. I believe that our expectations can never be satisfied without drawing our most profound satisfaction from Jesus. Today, I want you to think about your own life and how you have dealt with or are dealing with a situation that did not meet your expectations. And I wanna talk about we can have our expectations met because I believe that God is still in control of the world today and that he isn't surprised by anything that is happening in the world around us. I say this fully understanding that I know that life is not perfect for many people. I have the opportunity and the privilege to minister to people who are hurting, people who have dealt with things that they should never have had to experience in their life. And I also know people who've come through on the other side of that pain and now experience joy. 
For some, it has taken years to get to this place. And it doesn't mean a perfect life, but it is a life full because of an inner peace that only God can give. This morning, we are going to look at Philippians 1, verses 1 to 15, and we're going to look at the joy that Paul felt for the church in Philippi. In this letter to the church of Philippi, Paul highlights themes such as joy and glory, and he also puts great emphasis on how a Christian's thinking, their attitude, and their expectations affect the way that they live out their faith. The church in Philippi was an example of this to Paul. We will look at how Paul responds when he experiences uncertainty. And today I'm gonna put forward a few challenges for you. I challenge you to think about how you respond when you experience uncertainty. I challenge you to think about how you can learn from the joy that Paul felt. And I want you to think about what Paul's expectations were and consider what your expectations are when you are experiencing unpredictability. Let me give you a little context about what the church in Philippi meant to Paul. When Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, he was on his third missionary journey trip, and he was in chains in prison. Paul had been to Philippi about 10 years earlier when the church there was established, and so it was really significant to him. Paul had a really deep bond with the church there. Paul brought faith in Christ to people who would later form the core of a flourishing congregation in Philippi. The church in Philippi supported Paul while he was on his missionary trips. This happened financially, spiritually, and emotionally. The church there started with the conversion of a woman, and her name was Lydia. While Paul and Silas were at a place of prayer, they met a group of women. Paul spoke to one of them, Lydia, and the Lord opened her heart. But he opened not only her heart, but all of her household and her servants, and they were all baptized in the name of Jesus. Lydia lived and worked in Philippi. She was a purple cloth dealer, which indicates that she is a well-off businesswoman who bought and sold material that was worn by royalty. And because of her wealth, she independently owned a beautiful, spacious home. And after her conversion, she was able to invite, invite Paul and others to stay in her home because she really cared about them. A second transformation takes place in the book of, in the book of Philippians. And that happens in the life of a fortune teller who earned money for her masters by fortune telling. She followed Paul and Silas around for days until Paul became so annoyed with her that he rebuked the spirit and it left her. As a result, this girl couldn't earn any more money for her masters. And so they had Paul and Silas put in prison. Paul and Silas were both beaten in prison, but they prayed continually. When an earthquake fell on the city, causing the prison to break, Paul and Silas were able to escape. A prison guard, fearing for his life, for failing to stop the two men for escaping, wanted to kill himself rather than face the possibility of torture or execution. But Paul called, but Paul called to him and told him not to hurt himself. Paul shared the word of the Lord with him, and the guard found salvation along with his whole family. I don't think Paul was expecting any of these things to happen, but because of his passion to see others come to know Jesus Christ, the church in Philippi grew. We can learn from this that our expectations are not always aligned with God's. I don't think Paul hoped to be arrested. Still, I believe that he was grateful the church was expanding regardless of his circumstances. So let's read together what Paul writes to the church in Philippi. I'm going to read from the Passion Version this morning. Dear friends in Philippi, my name is Paul and I'm joined by Timothy, both of us servants of Jesus, the Anointed One. 
we write this letter to all his devoted followers in your city, including your pastors and to all the servant leaders of the church. May the blessings of divine grace and supernatural peace that flow from God, our wonderful Father, and our Messiah, the Lord Jesus, be upon your lives. And then Paul prays for the Philippians. He says this, My brothers, for you are full of praise to God as I give him thanks for you with great joy. So I am grateful for our union and our enduring partnership that began the first time I presented you with the gospel. I pray with great faith for you because I am fully convinced that the one who began his glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we see Paul's expectations. Paul expects that God will mature the church in Philippi. And then he says, It's no wonder I pray with such confidence since you have a permanent place in my heart. You have remained partners with me in the wonderful grace of God, even though I'm here in chains for standing up for the truth of the gospel. Only God knows how much I dearly love you with the tender affection of Jesus, the Anointed One. I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase beyond measure, bringing you into the rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. This will enable you to choose the most excellent way of all, becoming pure and without offense until the unveiling of Christ, and you will be filled completely with the fruits of righteousness that are found in Jesus, the Anointed One, bringing great praise and glory to God. I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not, been hinder has not hindered, but helped my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and spread to many people. For now, the elite Roman guards and government officials overseeing my imprisonment have plainly recognized that I am here because of my love for the Anointed One. And what I'm going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the Word of God, all because of my chains. Suffering for Paul brought joy. It brought joy because it brought him closer to God. Paul saw pain as a privilege because he knew that it brought him closer to Jesus. Let's face it, we don't hope for suffering. We learn, though, with Paul, that God is always at work, even in our pain. I think it's fair that we don't expect suffering to be a benefit to us. We try to avoid pain. I believe that one of the tools that Satan has used in our Western culture is actually becoming very comfortable. In some ways, this puts the church to sleep because we experience luxury and ease. Paul didn't have the same worldly comforts that we have. This year has made us uncomfortable in many ways. And for many of us, perhaps removing our earthly pleasure will cause us to rely more on him. And while I can assume that Paul didn't hope to suffer or expect the many things to happen to him that did, it is how God worked. Coming closer to Jesus in and through our suffering can be expected of God still today. Paul says this, And what I'm going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the word of God all because of my chains. We know that while Paul was spreading the gospel of Christ, it didn't mean things were great. Paul had been in chains. Paul was chained to a Roman guard for 24 hours a day, and he had been shipwrecked, he had been tossed at sea, his life threatened, and he was beaten up. But Paul had hope, and he had great expectations. His highest expectation was for the gospel to be spread, and he had joy, joy that can only come from Jesus. Paul didn't write to the Philippians under good circumstances. He did so while he was in chains. 
While he was writing to the Philippians, he was under arrest. And while he was experiencing persecution, he could find joy in remembering a church that continued to support him. He wasn't focused on his situation. I think Paul learned to see God at work in all situations in his life. For Paul, to know Christ more intimately, be it through riches or suffering, was key. I can picture him hungry and dirty and tired, but filled with joy all at the same time. Because Paul did what his whole purpose in life was after his conversion, and that is to speak boldly for Jesus Christ. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he directs them to Jesus as his hope. His message to the Philippians showed them that by centering their lives on Christ, they could too expect to live in joy or in pure joy. And I want to pause here for a minute and ask you this question. How can you develop eyes to see Jesus in your life regardless of your circumstances right now? Because as I mentioned earlier, 2020 isn't the year that we thought it would be. It seems like every day things are changing and we don't know what to expect. I understand that we are living in a new normal. Some days I like this new normal and other days I don't like it at all. Some days it feels really good to be isolated and other days I want to go back to what was. But I know that's not going to happen. The world has changed and how we experience church has changed. For some of you, you might get, want to get back to church. Others of you are comfortable to stay at home and watch online. Some have been faithful and continue to be a part of our church, and others might be less engaged because you feel like the church is a building and that's where you need to be right now. Some of you have been a little connected to the church. In that case, you might find yourself drifting from God and relying on yourself right now and believing that that is enough. Especially when life is good, you might feel that you don't need God. Whatever it is that you are thinking or feeling, I want to tell you that you do need God. We all need God. I'm not sure I want to go back to normal. I've had a, really, a real love-hate relationship with COVID. When the warm weather came, I could be outside in the garden. I didn't have to rush out after dinner to be somewhere. I can go for a long walk instead, and I love that. I appreciate my home more and more and how fortunate we are to have what we have every single day. I enjoy spending quality time with a few rather than big crowds. And I know some of you are in a situation where COVID has made your situation worse because of isolation. And I have heard some of the pain that that has caused because, well, honestly, it sucks. But I do believe that out of crisis can come opportunity. I resonate with a quote from Brene Brown. She says this, we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal other than we normalized greed, inequality, exhaustion, depletion, extraction, disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, hate, and lack. We should not long to return, my friends. We are be being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature. So what does a new normal look like? What are your greatest expectations in the new normal? It could be to have a happy and healthy family. It could be to have more money, a better reputation. It could be to be more respected in your community. Maybe it means living a stress-free life, or maybe it's just to have fun and live a life of adventure. For some of you, you want relationships to heal through this. For some, you are hoping for a job. And these are not necessarily bad things. I want these things too. But I know deep down 
that these things are insufficient. They can bring happiness, they can bring contentment, but they can't give you everything that you need because these things are fleeting. They can never satisfy our hearts because I know and believe that there is a better way. I said this earlier, I believe that our expectations can never be satisfied without drawing our most profound satisfaction from God. As we've discovered in our text this morning, the only real way to meet our expectations is through the saving grace of Jesus. Because Jesus changes everything for the better, even when our circumstances aren't great, Jesus changes lives. We see this in Philippi, and he drastically changed Paul's life through his conversion. There is so much tension in the world right now. We are living through a global pandemic. There is economic tension. There is racial tension. There are protests, explosions, and people's lives are being torn apart. And there were many tensions in Paul's life too. But for Paul, what was most important to him wasn't his comfort and it wasn't his freedom. The gospel being advanced was far greater of a concern to him than anything that could ever happen to him. Paul saw himself as an instrument of God to be used by God in whatever way that God saw fit because he knew that he was living inside of a bigger story and he was part of that story. And so are you. You are a part of God's story. What do you think God's expectations are of you today as part of his kingdom? How can you live for him while our world has been forever altered? Will you let the saving grace of Jesus meet your expectations? Do you believe that only Jesus can meet your expectations? C.S. Lewis on his, in his book, God on the Dock, wrote this. Imagine a set of people all lying in the same building. Half of them think it's a hotel and the other half think it's a prison. Those who think it a hotel might regard it as quite intolerable. And those who thought it a prison might decide it was surprisingly comfortable. Lewis uses the contrast between a hotel and a prison to illustrate how we view life based on our expectations. He further says, if you think of this world as a place intended simply for your happiness, you find it quite intolerable. Think of it as a place of training and correction, and it's not so bad. For the believer, this world is a place of spiritual development through both good and bad. As believers, this world is a place of spiritual development. We have learned this through the life of Paul and through the church in Philippi. God is always at work, even in pain. Jesus explains to his disciples in John 16, 33, And everything I have taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you, and you will have a great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world you will, have, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have overcome the world. I believe this is very true today. You can wholeheartedly expect trouble in this world. We are living in a broken world, but our identity doesn't have to be about our situation. It can be about our relationship with Jesus Christ. He has overcome the world. I am his daughter, you are his daughter, or you are his son. And when things are hard, be reminded that God is in control and he is working and he is moving today. My prayer for you is that you would have your expectations met by Jesus because I believe there is no other way for that to happen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, we give you thanks so much that you are God and that you are Lord of our lives. Lord, thank you that we can have our expectations met by you, only you. I pray that whatever we are experiencing this morning, whatever our situations are in this life, God, that you would, 
you would draw us to you, bring us closer to you, God. And thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for the church in Philippi that we can learn from their example and from the life of Paul too, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.